0: You can also subscribe at PeopleProcesses.com, which will give you exclusive subscriber-only content. Here is your host, Rami Alajil, author and CEO of People Processes.
1: Today we're going to be talking about part two of the independent contractor versus employee ideas under the uh, employee classification section. Next week will be all about the salary versus hourly choice, which is really Fair Labor Standards Act exempt versus non-exempt. But I want to wrap up today with the discussion of independent contractor versus employee. We did an intro to this, why it's important, the MOU, state coordination, all the different pieces of this earlier this week. So check that video out, peopleprocesses.com. We can have links to it. Uh, Definitely worth listening to if you haven't yet already. But uh, today we're gonna talk about two more tests. We're just gonna walk through them, the key standards on there. The first is the Fair Labor Standards Act, the economic realities test. Prior we went through the NLRB test, the National Labor Relations Board tests. This one is a little different. The FLSA and state wage laws may apply only to workers designated as employees, not to independent contractor. Thus, the proper classification of workers is critical to determine the application of these laws. According to the Wage and Hour Division of the U.S. Department of Labor, uh, well, the employer-employee relationship under the FLSA is tested by economic reality rather than technical concepts. We're going to find in just a minute in our next test it's the opposite, so you kind of wind up getting tested under both, whether technical, actual, existent things, or this, the economic reality. The FLSA bases their entire piece not by common law standards related to master and servant, but instead, uh, and, and by the way, most states follow this way as well. They have developed to determine whether an individual is an employee or an independent contractor, and the tests examine factors focused on the total activity or situation of the relationship. An employee is one who is dependent upon the business to which the individual renders service? That is the question under the FLSA, the reality of the economics. If the employee is dependent upon the business to which the individual renders service, that implies or says that under the economic reality test they are an employee, not an individual contractor. So all of these are questions you can ask. Uh, We'll talk about factors that kind of uh, go one way or the other, but what they're trying to determine is, again, Does the employee or the worker, uh, are they dependent upon the business to which they render service? If so, they're an employee. So, uh, the extent to which the services rendered are an integral part of the principal businesses is the first thing listed. We went over this in the NLRB. If you are a bookkeeper, you cannot, it's very difficult to hire independent contractor bookkeepers to do your work. As a rule, those are gonna be employees. If it's an integral part of your business, it's very difficult to hire an independent contractor. They're employees. The permanency of the relationship, the longer you go on, the less likely they're an independent contractor and more likely that they're an employee, the longer they're expected to go on. The FLSA also adds this, the amount of workers' investment in facility and equipment. In the case of an independent contractor, that investment would be quite high. In the case of an employee, probably non-existent. This is very different uh, than the NLRB where it was, you know, who provides the tools, kind of was the way to put it. This one is the degree, the amount of the worker's investment in facilities and equipment. Uh, The nature and degree of control by the principal, so the more control you have, the more likely they're an employee. The worker's opportunity for profit and loss. We went over this on the NLRB as well. Very important. If the employee cannot run a loss, then likely they are an employee. If the worker can run a loss, they are an independent contractor. So uh, if they quote you a job and they underquote it and they spend more time on it than they expected and they lose money, they're an independent contractor. Uh, But if they're paid by the hour, they have no business expenses, they have no way of losing money on this, well, they're probably an employee. The FLSA also states the amount of initiative, judgment, or foresight in open market competition with others required for the success of the claimed independent contractor. If you were to hire my company, People Processes, we're a vendor of yours, right? That's an independent contractor. We'd invoice you, you'd pay it. Uh, But if you just hired Rami as a consultant, right, that would be an independent contractor because you're not, um, I I have many clients, uh, I'm constantly in competition with my competitors, and you could replace me with another consultant like that, okay? So the more open market competition, and, and and I have to do well against those people in order to succeed, the more likely I'm an independent contractor. The degree of independent business and organization and operation. So again, the more independent the subcontractor is, the 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 worker is, the more likely they are an independent contractor. Hope that's helpful. Okay, now there are certain factors which are immaterial according to the FLSA. That's the place where the work is performed, the absence of a formal employment agreement, whether the alleged independent contractor is licensed uh, those are not considered to have bearings on determination on whether there's an employment relationship. Also, the Supreme Court has held that the time and mode of pay does not control the employ- the determination either of employment status. So, this is under the FLSA. We're going to talk about the NLRB in a second. But in this case, and this controls where the most state laws apply, by the way. This is probably the, the broadest applicable test. The... FLSA test here says, if you pay someone and don't withhold pay, uh, taxes from them, that doesn't mean they're an independent contractor. Because they're an independent contractor, you're able to do so, but just changing someone to a 1099, changing the time or mode of pay, does not make them an independent contractor. It's not even evidence thereof. Whether they work at your office or work from home or work from their office is irrelevant So um, where the work is performed. If they happen to have a license, like if they're, um, Uh, In in my organization, just because someone has an insurance license doesn't mean that they are an independent contractor. It all goes to those control of work, uh, the opportunity for profit loss, all those sorts of things that make them independent contractors. So those are important to remember. Now, the last set we're gonna look at is the NLRBs, Equal Employment, I'm sorry, the the EEOCs, Equal Employment Opportunity Commissions, their definition of an employee. Now, this one is the tightest. This is the hardest one to meet, Um, but I bring it up because it's often used in discrimination cases. So, the FLSA is the one that's going to be, the one we just went over, is going to be the most broadly applicable, and it's the one you should worry about the most. This one, though, provides even more light, and is very useful, uh, and, and is primarily used in front of the EEOC. So, Let's say you have a group of workers, some of whom are independent contractors, some of whom are employees, um, and the independent contractors say, hey, if they're employees, I should be an employee. That would go under the EEOC most of the time. Uh, and under that, they have a slightly different, much harder to meet definition. So. Um, This is important and I want you to use it. And if you can pass at the FLSA level, you may want to try to pass at the EEOC level that this is definitely an independent contractor and then you know you're covered. It should be, they should basically, the NLRB, the FLSA, and the EEOC should run through all of these various tests and go definitely an independent contractor under all of these different things. So, the question of whether an employer-employee exists relationship exists is, fact-specific and depends on whether the employer controls the mean and manner of the worker's performance under the NLRB. Remember, FLSA was like, hey, is the employee reliant upon you? The NLRB is like, do you control them? Because if so, they're yours. They're your employees. This determination requires consideration of all aspects of the employer's or worker's relationship with the employer. There's nothing off limits. Factors indicating that a worker is in an employment relationship. So they're an employee are, here's a couple of them. The employer has the right to control when, where, and how the worker performs the job. Again, goes back to control. The worker does not require a high level of skill or expertise. This is a new introduction and very important. Previously, we said, hey, they can't be doing your primary job. You can't really subcontract that. That's an employee. Now we're also saying you can't really subcontract low-level skill and this is applied broadly. Uh, For example, let's say you're a construction company, you're building new houses, you're an engineer, you've got architects, they're all part of your company building the new house, Uh, and you've got, you bring on specialties to come in and subcontract. You say, hey I want your specialty to be plumbing, go do the plumbing, you do the electrical, you do the roofing. Those are skilled labor, but unskilled labor Come onto the work side, I'm going to pay you a little bit, you're going to move stuff around, you're going to carry things to the skilled guys, you're going to drive the trucks, whatever. Unskilled labor, maybe driving construction trucks, maybe skilled, but you get what I'm saying. Those are not independent contractors under the NLRP, or under the EEOC. You're going to need to hire them as employees. The employer furnishes the tools, materials, and equipment. That's a good sign that they're an employee. The work is performed on the employer's premises. Again, under the uh, EEOC, where it's performed matters. There is a continuing relationship between the worker and the employer. This is like permanency. The longer it goes on, the more continuous the relationship, the more likely they're an employee. The employer has the right to assign additional projects to the worker. This is a really good one. If you have, let's say you hired a company to to build a website, right? and they're working on the website, and then you just called them up and was like, oh, and don't forget, I want you to build this other website too. And there would be a discussion there, there'd be more money involved, there'd be a thing. Whereas if you hired somebody on a weekly basis, say a general labor, unskilled labor to work on your construction site, you tell them to go do this thing, and then you just keep telling them to do stuff, on and on and on. If you have the right to assign additional projects, more than likely they're an employee. The employer sets the hours of work and the duration of the job. If you say, be here at this time to do this thing all the time, Scheduling? Likely an employee. The worker is paid by the hour, week, or month, rather than the agreed cost of performing a particular job. Likely an employee. Now, I'm going to use this as a good example. These are contributing factors. If, the only, if everything else lines up, and yet you pay them by the week or the hour, then they could still be an independent contractor. These are things that suggest an employee relationship. It's not cut and dry that if one of these are checked, they're an employee. You have to use uh, preponderance and really think about the totality of their work. For example, if you hire an attorney, they're going to charge you by the hour, but they're highly skilled labor. They say what hours they work. They provide their own tools and equipment. Their investment in facilities is far in excess of your uh, investment for law. Therefore, they are independent contractors, not employees. Lawyers could be employees, but that would be if you changed all that up. Out, instead of an out external lawyer, you hire an internal one. Uh, you tell them where to go. You provide their office. You cover their costs. You provide their assistant, all that kind of stuff. That would be uh, an employee. Okay. Uh, the next one is the worker does not hire nor pay assistance. If the worker is purely standalone, it's more likely they're an employee rather than if they're a team or you're hiring somebody and they have the right or do so to pay hire to pay assistance. The work performed by the worker is part of the regular business of an employer, as a reminder, right? If they're part of your regular business, very likely they're an employee. Uh, the uh, broader your business, the more likely they're an employee. The worker is not engaged in a personally-owned distinct occupation or business. Again, the more distinct the operations, marketing, finance of the worker, the more likely they're an uh, independent contractor. If there's none of that distinction, then they're likely an employee. This is a big one. The employer provides the worker with benefits such as insurance, leave, or workers' compensation. If you do that, they are almost definitely, immediately an employee, no matter what else. It's, you can't do that. Don't provide contractors with that stuff. Okay. <clears throat> the worker is considered an employee of the employer for tax purposes. That's, for example, withholding federal, state, social security taxes. If you start withholding their taxes, that's a strong indication, it's not, there are very few, I mean, we're talking like, these are carryovers from the 1900s, but, uh, early 1900s, but as a rule, you don't withhold taxes on behalf of independent contractors, that's on them. The employer can discharge the worker, that's likely an employee. Independent contractors, you can't just fire them, you got a contract that states when and how. big difference the worker and the employer believe that they are creating an employer employee relationship that's a big deal if you believe that it's an employee or they believe that they're your employee or they have reason to believe so that's a strong indication that there is according to the eeoc yeah i know that's why it's so important that your offer letters your contracts your employee handbooks your independent contractor agreements all those kinds of things Correctly and obviously state whether this is an employer employee relationship. If I hire a painter to come paint my office, right in the contract it says, in nothing in this contract or in this rearrangement implies that you're my employee. I'm hire- you're, you're a worker here to do this. You're an independent contractor. You don't get to speak on behalf of the company. You're not an employee. So on and so forth. Okay. This list is not exhaustive. Other aspects of the relationship between the parties may affect the determination of whether the employer or employee exists. Uh, importantly, to be considered an employee, not all or even a majority of the list need to be met. Rather, the determination must be based on all the circumstances in the relationship between the parties, regardless of whether the parties refer to it as an employee or independent contractor relationship. You have gotta look at the totality of it. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that was helpful to you. I hope uh, you learned a little something. Those are the two different, well, there are now three. Go look at Monday's episode, now this one. Uh, Check it out. Look at your applications. Uh, We are going to have uh, on the website all of this written out as key terms, these kind of key pieces. Use it as a checklist. Check your independent contractor. See if they fall uh, correctly under these. You should check every independent contractor who is even marginally, who possibly could claim that they're an employee and write it down walk through this list and go circle not an employee sign it and date it It makes a huge difference if you're ever challenged on this
0: ladies and gentlemen that's it for today thank you so much for tuning in check us out on linkedin facebook and twitter at people processes go to peopleprocesses.com subscribe and get some of our subscriber only content And if you got something out of this, make sure you share it with anyone you know. Thank you for tuning in. Now it's time for you to go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.